Welcome to the Focus Forward Business Podcast from SturdyMcKee.com. Hey, welcome. I'm Sturdy McKee with the Focus Forward Business Podcast and super excited to have Jeff Ostrowski here. Jeff is the CEO of Excel Physical Therapy with, um, what, over 20 locations in Eastern Pennsylvania. Uh, and he's here with us today on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Jeff, for being here. Hey, uh, you're welcome, Sturdy. I appreciate you having me on, and I hope I can help uh, help your audience out. Let me oh, um, undoubtedly. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let me just correct a little bit of the intro, if I may, though. Um, sure. I am no longer CEO of of Excel Physical Therapy. Uh, I'll just give you a little bit of background. How about if I please, start please, please? Okay. Yeah, I can I can I can weave that in. So I've been a practice owner since 1990. So we're talking over 30 years. Same business. Been around a long time. Um, and, um, about three years ago, we had grown significantly. Uh, we now have 35 clinics in Southeastern Pennsylvania, about 175 or so, um, full-time therapists, PTs. Um, and about uh, three years ago, I guess it was, we decided to hire on a management team to replace me and my partners who are operating as the management team of the company Mm -hmm. uh, at that point. And so we brought on a CEO, a um, uh, three regional directors, a chief financial officer, some other management, and essentially replaced, uh, you know, me and the rest of my partners in terms of our day-to-day operating responsibility. So we still own the company, but I no longer go to work every day to, you know, to run the company. Uh, even before COVID. Even before COVID, yeah. Right. Well, actually, you know, during COVID, of course, it was all hands on deck during that period of time. So we, sure, yes. all, the, all the partners came back in and, um, and uh, helped out and got things back on track, which, you know, we're now, we're now more or less back on track. We can talk about that a little bit more if you'd like. But uh, yeah, anyway, that's the story. So we, it's, it's kind of an interesting story. It's sort of unique. Most, I think most people are familiar with, you know, you get your practice up to a certain size or EBITDA and then you sell it to somebody. And we just didn't feel like that was the right decision for us at this time to do that because it's a you know really growing dynamic industry to be a part of, and we we just felt like hey if we if we sold it to somebody now we would we would miss out on a lot of good opportunity there. So why don't we kind of turn it around, bring someone in? We can still stay on as investors in the company, stay on as the board of the company, as advisors, do special projects, uh, but enjoy some of the fruits of you know, being sort of retired, um, mm-hmm. more time, being able to travel a little bit more, uh, you know, and those sorts of things. So it's, it's been, uh, it's been, it's been a great experience, a lot of fun. And, and um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of where we are today. Well, so let me ask you this. We, um, you know, I just released uh, my pillar one course on the, your, your business playbook. And we had talked about this briefly, but um What's the importance of the playbook and being able to bring other people in to run the company, to run multiple locations, you know, geographically dispersed? How has that factored into your, your experience, your story? Yeah, that's essential. I, you know, if you're going to, um, well, I think it does depend a little bit on your goals. So let's start there. Mm-hmm. If you, if you want to scale up a business sturdy, you know, you've got to have systems in place. You've got to have the playbook you're talking about. You've got to have training programs in place. You know, you have to have that whole infrastructure built in order to grow. Now, some people may not want that as a goal, you know, to grow sure. uh, and, 
and that's of course fine. And, you know, it's a free world and, <laughs> and uh, everybody has their own, you know, their own goals and ambitions and desires and work tolerance and risk tolerance and all those things. So, you know, um, but even, even if you are a smaller business, uh, you still have to invest in those that infrastructure and systems. Uh, and I, I can speak from experience here because I, I started my company back in 1990. I was, it was just me. And, uh, you know, those were days when, you know, when you're, when you're young and you're small, you can hustle and you have a lot of energy, mm-hmm. um, but it gets exhausting after a while. If you were running around with your hair on fire constantly and, um, and you, you can't take a vacation because you don't really, you can't sort of hand off the business to somebody else even for a week. And that's very tiresome. And I think that to me was the wake up call early on was that, hey, this, you know, this is fun and I'm enjoying, you know, the, um, uh, the sort of excitement of being an entrepreneur and holy cow, people are actually coming in that door to see me as a PT. They think I can help them. I mean, it's very gratifying. But um, it starts to wear you out after a while if you're always on that kind of hamster wheel, I call it. So, you know, I think a key pivotal moment for, for me and, and, you know, this there's been an evolution of this over the years is, you know, just really being disciplined and sitting down and starting to like kind of memorialize all of these policies and procedures. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. This is the way we do things. So what that does for you is, is, uh, you know, then you can train people. You can actually bring people in and show them, you know, this is how we do it here. And you have that kind of a manual to point to if something's going off the rails, you know, with one of your employees or something's going off the rails financially, you know, maybe you've strayed from doing it the successful way that you developed. Right. Or it could be time to go back and look at the way you developed it and look look for a new, more creative, better way of, of doing that as, as uh, industry changes. Cool. Thank you for that. Um, so you mentioned 1990. Let's go back. How did you get started in business and was Excel your first business? Yeah, it's my first and only business. Uh, so the way I got started... Um, I was working in a hospital. No, I was working in an outpatient clinic uh, in Philadelphia, which is where where, near where I live. And uh, I had a patient in this outpatient uh, clinic, uh, Sturdy, who um, was a member of a gym, and it was kind of a it was a gym in a hotel of all places. But it had a pool, and he had (laughs) he had a you know an injury that he needed to have aquatic therapy, and there wasn't a lot of that back in, in the city at that time. And I had a nice relationship with this patient. He liked me. I liked him. And, and he introduced me to the manager of the gym who was looking for a PT to come and set up a practice in his gym. All right. This gym is probably as big as that room that you're sitting in right now, Sturdy. It was <laughs> tiny, rusty old equipment, you know, and it was, it was pretty beat up. And the, the only room he had available for me was a little bit bigger than a closet. But um, uh, anyway, I just thought... I had, I had a, actually I had a friend, uh, Matt Gibble, his name is, he's a, he's a childhood friend of mine. He's a PT. He owns a practice uh, up in North Jersey in the Bergen County, um, New York metropolitan area. And he had just started a practice at the same time. And him and I are you know, best friends. And he was sharing his experiences with me. I, at that point, was uh, in business school. I was getting an MBA uh, from Temple. Uh, I never completed it because the practice got you know so busy. But so I was kind of interested in business. I had this friend inspire me. I had this opportunity. So it just kind of fell together that way. Honestly, it wasn't really a strategic decision. It was more of an opportunistic 
in decision. But sometimes those are, the, those are the best things, you know, that's kind of, that's how a lot of us get married. We don't decide to get married. We just meet the right person at the right time. You know? So it's more, more opportunistic than strategic. But anyway, that's how it started. And then um, my good friend, Joe Rule, who's still one of my business partners today, he joined me within a year. Uh, he was a fantastic PT. He had a lot of good physician relationships in his city. I, so I had more of an operational brain. He had more of a kind of a marketing business development relationship brain. And uh, we, we just really hit it off as business partners. We grew our company um, up to about 13 locations. And then in 2011, we merged with another PT company in the Philadelphia market here. Uh, put our two companies together almost 10 years ago is when that project started. Um, it was a wonderful match, uh, geographically fit beautifully together uh, from a kind of a, a business uh, goals and, um, you know, just sort of values and personalities. You know, the, the owners of that company and Joe and I just really meshed together uh, just superbly. I mean, just superbly. Everybody kind of has their lane of what they're good at. Uh, and then it's classic, you know, um, uh, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts uh, kind of story. Uh, mm -hmm. So anyway, we probably more than double the size, way more than double the size of the company since 2011. And um, just had, have had just you know, fantastic success. And, and these are wonderful people and, and, and some of my best friends you know, today. So it's, it's a really cool story. So Jeff, would you, do you wish at any stage, I, you know, not just the startup when it kind of came together, but with the, with the merger, with any of the steps kind of in between there, that you had done anything at all differently? that you had known something that you now know that you didn't? Well, I think the, the topic that we touched on earlier, Sturdy, mm -hmm. is key. You know, What's that, the playbook? The playbook, the kind okay. of the operations manual, the playbook. It, you right. know, it took a long time for me to learn that the hard way. We, you know, we made every mistake <laughs> in the book. We all have the, right, a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think if your listeners are, are you know, open to that today, you know, it, it's, Getting those things done now, as opposed to waiting to learn the hard way, like I did, and so you know we wasted a lot of time, uh, you know, to to kind of go through the kick in the head that you need sometimes to, you know, to to you know put systems in place. Like you know, one thing I'm not proud of, but I think it's happened to a lot of us, is we had someone um, they, they didn't embezzle, but let's just say we lost about a couple hundred thousand dollars from having poor, you know, uh, cash tracking systems in place, you know, this is back yeah. 20, probably 25 years ago or so, you know, and those, that's a completely preventable, you know, unforced error right there. You know, if we would have had, you know, some systems in place to track that, it, it, you know, it would have never happened. And, you know, there are many, many other examples of that, but I, I think, you know, putting, putting those kind of, investing in your infrastructure early is definitely worth it. Yeah, great advice. Um, so would you, what advice would you give a business owner who um, is struggling right now with not having enough time? Yeah, it's a tough one because you've got, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's sort of like a trap. It's hard to get out of because, you know, it takes time <laughs> to get yourself <laughs> out of that trap and you don't have time. Um, right. You know, I think, I guess the, where I, I think we have had the best success from that perspective is with people, you know, 
really working on making sure you're selecting the right people for your company. You know, and we're talking about an interview process and then making sure that when you get the people um, that have kind of agree with your values and the way you do things, that you then invest in training them really well. Now that's gonna be hard and it's gonna take time uh, and it's gonna, you know, it's gonna hurt for a while as the owner because you've got a lot of other things that you're doing. I completely acknowledge that. You may be seeing patients, you're trying to run the business. Uh, by the way, you might have a family, you know, that you gotta go home to. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the blood, sweat and tears of living through that strife where you're, you know, you're, you're working with your people and you're training them pays off because then, you know, they can take more uh, responsibility. You don't have to be the guy or gal who does everything and, and runs around and checks on everybody all the time. And, you know, uh, and, and it's a really cool thing when the trust factor starts to grow because, you know, as you hand responsibility to people and they respond to that, you know, it just develops this really cool trust factor and, um, and the kind of place where people enjoy going to work, they feel fulfilled, they like it, they respect it, they like you, they like me, you know, and they, they get something out of it more than just a paycheck. No, very cool, thanks. Um, <laughs> sorry, there are fire trucks going by in the city, <laughs> apologize. So I once heard somebody say that business is a problem, the only question is what problem will there be today? How big is it, what's it gonna be? Um, so what challenges are you currently facing? And I. I I'm asking this of you particularly because having been in business for 30 plus years now, I think a lot of people, and, and as you said, you've hired a management team, all this, the perception very often I see from so many business owners is that I'm struggling with all this and everybody else has it made. They figured it all out. Right. <laughs> so yeah. what's your take on that? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the struggle for a company at my stage, so, you know, we're talking 30 years now. Um, is, is it's consistency, all right? Um, and, I, and I think that it would apply to a company really at any stage. Uh, sure. Know, it, it's the replication of, of successful actions over and over and over again, and really, really not straying from that. Now, you know, the one thing about our PT world, and I'm in the outpatient world, I'm assuming most of your audiences too, is you know, we, we do have some constraints on us. You've got kind of regulatory constraints. You know, you've got um, competition. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of, a huge amount of, of room for creative expression, you know, in the outpatient world. It's more of how can I consistently execute at the highest possible level and just keep doing that over and over and over again. <clears throat> and, uh, that's diff you know as you grow it becomes more challenging because you know you're just you're just shepherding a larger you know kind of flock and trying to keep everybody um, sure. moving in the same direction. But I think it's the consistency factor that's the biggest problem uh, that 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 um, that we you know we confront. And you, you you know you need checks and balances on you know your your quality your net promoter score all of course all of your statistical and financial measures. You have to have, you know, a really good knowledge of what your parameters are, where you can, you know, you can right. live with a therapist who's kind of in this parameter. But if someone steps out of that parameter, well, okay, then we need to go and fix that person, you know, with more training, more coaching, whatever that may be. 
So you've established targets, performance expectations that you can then benchmark against or exactly. no. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I've, you know, over the years I've learned, I, I did not grow up playing baseball. And I, you know, I talked with Dan Rutenberg who has played it, you know, professionally at, at times, yeah. um, just not too long ago. But um, my, uh, my, my boys play baseball and my one, one son's very serious about it. So I've spent the last decade learning an awful lot. And I think about what you just said as very much like baseball. You're not trying to reinvent the wheel, reinvent the sport. It really comes down to execution mm -hmm. and how well, you know, you, you know what your role is. Everybody knows what their role is and they need to do it really, really well in order to compete and, and, and yeah. win. That's exactly right. And, you know, like, you know, I, I, I know practice owners uh, who, you know, they may have, let's just say they have 10, 10 PTs in their company, mm -hmm. 30, and they've got, you know, one that is um, billing, you know, $250,000 a year and, you know, and um, or they're billing, you know, they're generating $250,000 a year in income into the, in, in revenue into the practice. Mm -hmm. And then they've got another one who's generating 150,000. Well, that's $100,000 spread between two PTs <laughs> is big. And, and by the way, it's not uncommon. And you know, so the, the question is, what is this person who's generating $250,000 a year doing that this person is not doing? And how can I take and leverage you know, the top performer here, you know, their skills and strengths to bring this bottom performer up. Well, and that's a great point because that applies to, you know, if you have a restaurant, you have servers and sales, if you have salespeople, you know, um, that's going to run the gamut of any business. And I think you, your point's extremely well taken, Jeff, with what's the top performer doing and how do we then make that, make that, you know, our play, the way we do things and teach the rest of the team. Exactly, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's really, really critical. And, and um, especially with, you know, if you, that creates uh, kind of uh, headaches and, and <laughs> weird ideas in your mind, you know, like, oh, I, I really like this person, I, you know, but they're such a poor performer, you know, it's not about whether you like them or not. I mean, we're all, I think by and large, you know, our crew of our tribe or whatever of PTs are, you know, we're likable people. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, it's, it's really, it's not about that. It's like, we've got a business to run here. You know, there's a certain expectation of exchange, you know, I'm paying you a salary and benefits and I'm expecting this from you in return. And uh, so if you go at it with that kind of mindset, it takes the kind of the difficult conversation uh, tension out of the room. If you just look at it from that perspective. Well, back to the baseball analogy, right? If you're going to play shortstop, you're responsible for producing certain things. You might be a lovely person, but you might not get to play shortstop. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, Jeff, what's your proudest moment in business? Um, I think it's the merger, Sturdy. I think that was really, really uh, very unique. Uh, I don't, I you know, I don't know any other companies of our size that have been able have been able to pull that off so successfully, uh, and we did it quite quickly, uh, probably got most of the heavy lifting of it done within about six months of when we actually signed the documents to merge. And um, what was, what was so, um, you know, rewarding about it was that uh, the, the, you know, the investment that we make in our people 
mm-hmm. that they trusted us that this was the right decision for the right reasons. And they fully cooperated, enthusiastically cooperated with the transition, you know, from both companies that merged. And that was wonderful. And then one more thing about it was, um, you know, we get pride of authorship in our businesses, right? Like, you know, this is how we do it here. You've been in those conversations at conferences, like where people are standing at the bar and having a drink and- Never been to a bar at a conference, (laughs) Joe. I've seen you. (laughs) Uh, but you know you stand there and you basically just say like well this is what we do and then the other person says well this is what we do and it's kind of like this arms race of you know this is what (laughs) we do Uh, and I'm not sure there's a lot of listening going on there's a lot talking but not a lot of listening there because you know everybody thinks their ideas are good and they they work and and uh, you know when we merged with um, uh, the company that we merged with we just put all the ideas on the table and, and really with no ego and, um, you know, no pridefulness, we just said, all right, what's the best idea here? Like, mm. let's just truly examine these ideas, figure out what the best one is. If none of the ideas that we have are any good, let's come up with some new ones. And we came up with a lot of those. So we essentially rebuilt the uh, company, a, a brand new company with, some ideas from our company, some ideas from the other company, and then a bunch of new ones too. And that was a really cool process to go through, you know, just to kind of be in a room of people who, you know, we we all cared and we wanted success and, and uh, all the rest of it, but there wasn't any of uh, there was no like ego fighting like that at all. It was, it was actually quite, quite refreshing to be in a, in a situation like that. So Jeff, what do you, what role do you think like culture and values played in that? It was the foundation of it, Sturdy. We, yeah. we wanted to be great. We, we just literally said, we want to be the best outpatient therapy company in this area. You know, so that really was the start of everything. We all were unified there. It wasn't about money. We knew that if we were great, the money would come. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't about the size of the business and how much it was going to sell for someday because we knew if we were great at taking care of patients and taking care of our employees that the money would come. And so we always, we always said, all right, let's like, what's best for the patient here? You know, make every decision about what's best for them. And then secondarily, what's best for the team, you know, the employees here, let's make every decision about what's best for them. And when we, you know, just in sort of following those two guide rails there, um, we, I think we, yeah, I think we, well, you know, you, you never reach that goal of being the best, but we're, you know, we're still on the march and, and uh, it, it's really what carries us forward today. Keep striving. I love it. Um, so what's the biggest thing you've learned more recently that you wish you had known 10 or 20 years ago? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's, it's uh, you've read the book, Good to Great, right? The sure. Jim Collins book. It's, yeah. you know, one of the classic business books. Probably many people are listening right now have certainly heard of it, if not read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a chapter in there. I mean, they're all good, but one that really uh, always stuck with me is uh, the one on the hedgehog concept. And and what that means is like pick one thing and just and be be really good at that, and then just kind of keep doing it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And um, I bring that up because we, you know, over the years there's always there's a lot of talk in our in our uh, industry about um, 
alternative revenue sources, for example, like fitness, wellness, personal training, all sorts of things like that. Um, and, you know, again, being around for 30 years, we've tried them all sturdy I and mean, we tried every single one of them. And every time I can, I can literally go back and look at our income statements from those periods of time when we, our attention was diverted into other business opportunities, which were fun and sexy and cool and, you know, all the rest of it. But we always underperformed financially when we diverted our attention away from our core business, which is outpatient orthopedic manual therapy. So I, I think that uh, for, you know, for the lesson learned for me is, you know, when, when we get new ideas like this now, like other kind of business opportunities, we, even though there are people who love it and they're, you know, like uh, who wouldn't want to have a golf program and work with golfers? You know, I love golf. I like to play golf. I like to talk to golfers. I like to watch golf. It's really cool to have a golf program, but but good lord, I mean, you know, I had one once, and it almost cost me a clinic. <laughs> you know, so you know, just focusing on one thing and and doing it really well, and just keep doing that over and over again. Well, thanks for that. Um, so, can you share with us like your favorite business book or one that you're currently reading, and what you find useful or important about it? Well, that book is my favorite, Good to Great. Good to Great, that, yeah. Yeah, and I, it, you know, that's not uh, rocket science there. That's been probably one of the number one business books for a long period of time. I think there's just an, a, an enormous amount of practical content in there. Um, so I, I think other than that, nothing, uh, let's see, I'm just trying to think of a couple others. I, a couple of years ago, I read a book called, um, <clears throat> in fact, it was Dan Rutenberg, I believe, that introduced me to this book called Conversational Capacity. Okay, that's I know you've had Dan on your on your uh, on your podcast recently. Yeah, uh, really good book to help with those difficult conversations that we tend to shy away from. Sometimes I mentioned right. before how you know sometimes you have to you know the, the way to fix your business is to fix the people in your business, and sometimes those are hard conversations. And this book. Uh, was extremely helpful uh, to uh, me in terms of just getting better at executing, you know, those grassroots one-on-one -on -one difficult conversations. No, that's a great point. I've heard it, so I forget where it came from, but the one who's willing to have the most difficult conversations is going to win. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, no, that's a great, great point. Um, so any other thoughts that you'd like to leave us with? today or leave the listeners with? No, I, I guess, yeah, I didn't mean to say no. Yes, I have some thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, a, it's a wonderful time to be in, in the outpatient PT business. Uh, you know, there, there's an enormous amount of opportunity out there for us. You know, we have yet to scratch the surface on, you know, uh, accessing all of the patients who could benefit from our services. Sure. You know, kind of, we we we're just now kind of getting traction on society recognizing uh, the value of of um, who we are and, and what we bring to the table in terms of healthcare. So I just uh, when I encourage people to, you know, don't don't um, you know think big. Uh, don't 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 um, don't be negative. There's some uphill battles. 
the payment side kind of sucks, you know, and the hoops we have to jump through with administrative burden and all that, you know, those, those are awful, but um, I think there's better days ahead there. And if we, you know, really truly can focus on what, uh, what it was that originally attracted people like you and me into this world of ours is, you know, we're helping people. Um, someone walks in the door, I treat them, I build a great relationship with them, uh, help them get back to doing what they're doing. They bring me cookies and brownies when the <laughs> treatment's finished. I mean, come on, this is, this is a great way to make a living. And uh, if you could just harness, you know, that, um, you know, that, that altruistic kind of value system that we all came into PT school with and, and use that to build your company, then I think uh, chances and opportunities are for success are just, uh, just enormous. No, I love that. That's a, a big part of the vision work we do with the higher purpose. Why did you, why did, if you're losing touch or getting burnt out, why in the world did you start this in the first place? Right. And get back in touch with that because I don't know a single therapist and I actually don't know a whole lot of business owners generally who went into it just to make a bunch of money. You know, there are those, but usually there's some kind of compelling basic reason that they decided to you know, do this crazy thing of running, starting a business yeah. Yeah. in the first place. So that's, yeah. that's a great lesson. Thank you yeah, so much. Hey, I'll just add, add one more yeah. thing, 32, that um, I don't know if any, if, uh, you know, if any of us on the, who are listening have ever been patients in PT before, but I just want to, I've been a few times, I've been a patient with a bad knee from playing volleyball and it's not easy to be a patient when you, you know, you're going a couple times a week, three times a week, maybe, sure. you know, you got to leave work early. You got to get home for dinner late. You got to change your clothes. You got to park, you got to drive, you got to get all sweaty. You got to pay, you know, it, it's not easy. So um, I think we all need a reality check uh, frequently that, you know, uh, the patient is making a lot of sacrifices when they come in the door and sure. we have to just be on our A game from both a clinical competence perspective but also from a service and empathy perspective uh, when they come in. And I think it's a good thing to talk about with our staffs a lot and always kind of go back and ring that bell about empathy and service and clinical excellence. And uh, cause that's really at the end of the day, you know, people are expecting you to get better and have a good experience. And that's how you grow is, you know, by creating, you know, a momentum behind all those good experiences. No, that's great. Thank you very much. That's a wonderful last kind of closing thought here. So All thanks right. so much, Jeff, for your time and for doing this. My pleasure, Sturdy. Best of luck to you and everybody listening. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for listening.